You are so great. Father, I pray that we would be a people that look to your word and look to your truth, that you are a good God. You are a God who is relentless in the way that he pours forth his love. So, Father, whenever circumstance and life distract or contradict that thought, that message, Lord, it is not true. Father, your love and your goodness continue to pour out. Your love and your goodness continue to teach us and refine us despite circumstance and despite how tough it may be for us to understand and see that truth. So, Father, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning by so many who you have gathered here faithful today who are seeking to learn more of you, seeking to give you more glory, seeking to sing more praises to you. Father, I pray that that would be what drives us here. Father, and I pray that we would find it in not only your presence, but also the presence of those to whom you've called your sons and daughters. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth and the ability to partake of it, Father, to be changed by it. I pray that we would not take that lightly. We pray all these things in Jesus' name by the power of your spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan. Uh, our kids can head upstairs. Uh, that's where our Redemption Kids team will be. So new location, uh, new approach, and uh, everybody's learning their way around. So uh, kids can head upstairs to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And as they exit, I'd like to invite everyone to grab your copy of God's life-giving word. We're going to open up to the book of Acts chapter 5. So Acts chapter 5, we'll start in verse 17 today. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles we provide for you, that's page 913 uh, of those Bibles. And let me just, if you're new to Redemption Hill, let me introduce myself. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as our lead pastor here at Redemption Hill. Uh, if, if you took one of those Bibles and you need a new Bible or just an updated Bible, uh, feel free to take that as our gift to you today. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. This is a historic Sunday for us as a church, being our first official Sunday here at Medford High School. So uh, you were here on a special Sunday. Uh, we're very, yeah, give it up. Hey, yes, thank you. Like we were, yes. We were meeting, uh, we always meet before, you know, uh, worship uh, just as a team and uh, pray together. And we were just thanking God for how he always provides for his people. And uh, we've seen that yet again in how he's opened doors for us to uh, meet here at Medford High School, uh, such a great spot in the community. Uh, we are a church that's in the city for the city. And so wherever God puts us, we try to make it a better place than, you know, when we found it. And uh, so we look forward to exploring ways that we can even serve the high school here as a church that serves Medford. Well, uh, it is Palm Sunday, and uh, if you're not quite familiar with, like, why do we call it Palm Sunday, um, let me just kind of catch you up to speed. Uh, you see, uh, Jesus was a great teacher, and he taught about the kingdom of God. He proclaimed the good news. And check this out. When Jesus was proclaiming the good news, uh, he was proclaiming the good news about himself, all right? When anybody else speaks the good news, they're proclaiming it about him. But Jesus was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, telling people the good news about the salvation that's found in him. He was going around healing people, doing miraculous works. And uh, then toward the end of his life, it, it says that in Luke chapter 9, it says that he set his face to Jerusalem. 
Because Jesus knew, in fact, he told his closest followers three different times, hey, I am going to be crucified, but yet on the third day I will rise from the dead. And so he's told them this, he's warned them, he's given them a heads up, and yet they didn't always register. They couldn't imagine that their leader, the one they believed was the Messiah, the deliverer, would actually uh, be put to death. And so it was on this, what we know as Palm Sunday, five days before his crucifixion, one week before what we know as Easter Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem down the Mount of Olives on a humble donkey. And he is going down into the city. And as he's going down, the crowds are starting to gather. Jesus has arrived. This this feast of the Passover was about to happen in the city. It was Passover week. And so crowds had gathered into Jerusalem. And when they heard that Jesus was coming into the city, they started to get excited about it. And they started to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they even started to grab branches as like a a gesture of uh, recognition of this one's authority and this one's significance and worth. And so just like we might roll out the red carpet for someone who's important, they started to lay down palm branches on the road as Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. And they shouted these words, Hosanna, which was Founded in the Old Testament, really only in one place in the Bible do we see this word in the the Old Testament, uh, which was just a prayer in Psalm 118. There was just a prayer, God save us. But then when we get to Jesus writing down, it, it, it had come to mean salvation is here. Salvation is in this one, the son of David, the promised Messiah, deliverer. Hosanna in the highest, they would shout. In other words, it's not just about me saying, hey, he is worthy of my praise and affection, but he is worthy of all people's praise and affection. This is what was happening on Palm Sunday. And so they they knew the Messiah was arriving. And they were very, very excited about it. Now, what they did not know, what we know, but what they did not know was that Palm Sunday would give way to Good Friday. Their deliverer, who they thought was probably going to set up kind of a political reign and reestablish Israel out from the oppression of the Roman government, Um, they thought that he would set up his kingdom right then and there, but it would appear after Friday that this movement would be stopped with the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. But as we know, as we know, Good Friday gives way to Easter Sunday. And so the cross was about the victory of God. The resurrection was about the victory of God. And so now on Palm Sunday, we once again say, Hosanna, salvation is here. Victory is here. This is our privilege as those who know Jesus Christ. And yet, what I want to put forth this morning is that I assume your experience is much like my experience many days, many weeks, where even though I know God is victorious and he is over all things and he has conquered death by rising from the grave, um, when I look at my life, I see that many days I am not living very victoriously. 
I mean, I'm struggling. You know, I'm struggling with, with life, and it, life is pressing in, and everything that's going on, all of my responsibilities, and, and then my, my heart, believe it or not, even my heart can be wicked, right? And then I do things, I say things that I don't want to do or say. And so I, I want to just encourage us this morning that God wants us to experience His victory. God wants us to know the, 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 the power, the salvation of, of Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter Sunday in our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so what we're going to look at this morning is, is another uh, narrative from the, the early church. Okay? The earliest followers of Jesus as they were really starting the movement and spreading the movement of Jesus in the first century. What we find is that they came up against opposition time and time and time again. And yet they persevered through the opposition okay, because they knew their God was victorious. And in fact, their God was and is and forever will be an unstoppable God. And so I want you to think with, think with me this morning about our unstoppable God. As we read this story, uh, what we're going to find is that there are uh, two sets of people, okay? Like every good story, you have the antagonist and the protagonist, okay? The antagonists were uh, the high priest of the, 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 the people of the, the Jews, okay? In Judaism, you had many priests that uh, led the worship of the people of God, but the high priest was the primary uh, mediator. He was the chief officer in the temple, okay? And so when things were really important and really needed to kind of escalate up the ladder, okay, they went to the high priest and said, hey, help us figure this out. But then there was also a group known as the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were one of three schools of thought in Judaism who held a very strict adherence to the law, all right, but they also did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, okay? So, so now you just have two major problems when it comes to the, the protagonist, okay, Peter, John, and the apostles who were saying, hey, uh, Jesus had showed up and he has fulfilled the law, which means we don't have to keep all of these matters that God had under the old way of doing things. He has brought a new way, but then on top of that, oh yeah, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. This blew their mind and this made them very, very upset. And so that's what we're going to see here, this, this kind of back and forth between the antagonist and the protagonist. So let's start by reading verses 17 through 24 together. Read along with me as I read them for us. This is what God's word says. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought out. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. 
So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So what we have going on here in this kind of first movement of the story is we see that we have opposition, intervention, and obedience, okay? Uh, so number one, uh, we see that the high priests and the Sadducees, the religious establishment, they were opposed to the work of Jesus' followers, and they were opposed to them because it says that they were filled with jealousy, okay? Uh, so just imagine, let's put ourselves in, in their shoes. It's always a, a good strategy, right, to just kind of understand what would motivate them to arrest the apostles well, um, number one, they were proclaiming that Jesus uh, was the Christ and that though he was crucified, God raised him from the dead. Okay, so, so, so they just continually were, were, were teaching and preaching and talking about Jesus to the point where more and more and more and more people... Okay, we saw 3,000 in chapter 2, uh, up to 5,000 in chapter 4. Uh, we just saw in chapter 5 last week, it says that, that, that every day they were adding to the number those who were following Jesus. Okay, and so just, just check this out, this kind of inverse relationship, right? As Jesus' popularity rose, okay, uh, whose popularity was falling? The high priest, right? The, the religious establishment, okay? Like Jesus rose from the dead, whoops, you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, that doesn't bode well for you. Right? So, so the, the popularity of Jesus was rising, but not only that, not only was their popularity threatened, okay, what was tied to their popularity was, guess what? Their power, right? So, so, so the Sadducees, they had this nice relationship with the Roman officials, and so if, if people were uh, moving away from uh, what they believed and what they taught, uh, then that could have undermined their influence and consequently made them lose their power. And so that's why they arrest Peter, James, and, uh, and John and the rest of the apostles. They put them into prison. But when we face hard times, when we get in a mess, God is always with us. And so God doesn't leave us to ourselves. He never leaves us for a second. Even when it seems like even when we're going through pain and suffering, God is with us. And so uh, this time, in a very miraculous, supernatural sense, he sends an angel, okay, to break them out of prison. This is what we see in verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, okay, here's what he said, uh, Go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people the words of this life. And so it's not just like, it's not just, hey, I'm going to set you free here so that you can be relieved of your predicament. No, he relieves them of their predicament to continue doing what they were instructed to do, which was help people know about Jesus, okay, uh, which was only going to lead to another predicament, right? Uh, so, so just don't miss that, 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 that they were set free. And if, if I was, you know, 
having, in, enjoying that experience, I might think, man, this is my chance to retreat and pull back a little bit, but not just go and keep doing the very thing that got me into trouble. And yet the apostles were absolutely obedient. They followed what God instructed them to do, and they went to teach in the temple. Now, uh, what, what would happen next? This is where we pick up in verse 26. Here we go. It says this, then the, then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. Why? For they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest, like the man, the chief of all priests. Okay, the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach any longer in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Okay, so let's just pause there, okay? So, so, so the authorities, they bring them in for interrogation. Once again, we saw them do the very same thing in, in Acts chapter 4, just a, a chapter earlier, when they healed the lame man and, and the, the crowds were beginning to follow and more people were believing in Jesus, they arrested them and they said, hey, you better be quiet or something worse is going to happen. And so this is like, they, they, they remind them of that threat, right? It's like interrogation with threat laced in the interrogation. And so what would Peter and John and the apostles do? Look at verse 28. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And so in the midst of this threat, once again, you have the apostles absolutely not backing down even for a second. I mean, they, they, listen, their lives were on the line here. They, they, I mean, their lives are on the line. And so they're, they're like the authorities, the, the, the authorities who, by the way, have the authority to put them to death, okay, are telling them to be quiet. And, and yet, once again, just as we saw in chapter 4, Peter and the apostles say, listen, uh, wh wh whatever you think, you know, like, should we listen to you or God? You can decide, but we must obey God. As for us, we must obey God. And then, and then what we get is, check this out, a little mini sermon, okay? I don't know if it was shorter than the one I'm giving today because we don't always get, like, we just get little summaries usually in, in terms of what they were sharing, okay? But, but look at what they do, and this is so helpful, and I hope you'll hang on to this this week and moving forward as we seek to emulate them and talk about Jesus with the people that we care about, okay? Uh, once again, they enter their framework, they challenge their framework, but then they complete their framework, okay? So let me show you how they do this, all right? So uh, number one, they, they level with them, okay? They, they enter their framework, they enter their experience, they establish common ground, okay? V very wise move when you're talking to people, 
all right? They say the God of our fathers, all right? That's, that's just to affirm, like, everything, the first 39 books of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying the God who you believe in, the God that we believe in, this is the God we're talking about, okay? So they entered their framework, but then they challenged their framework because they say this God did what? He raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. He raised him from the dead. God, and then God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And so, so they, they established common ground. They challenged their worldview. They challenged their belief system. They challenged their way of life. But then it's not just to leave them with that challenge, okay? But it's actually to invite them into a better story to say, listen, all of your issues with God, all of your sin before God, all of your hopes in a Messiah, look, it's all been established and fulfilled in the leader and savior of God's people whose name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, the Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And so the mini-sermon unfolds before the authorities. And then, and then so then, you know, movement three occurs. This, this again, this back and forth, the antagonist, the protagonist. What, how, how, does it, how does it all end? Well, this is what we see in verses 33 through 42. When they heard this, They didn't respond very well. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, Take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them you might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then the apostles left their pre- the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ 
is Jesus. Okay, so just to summarize this third movement for you. Okay, what is happening here are the religious authorities are, are just kind of looking at one another. Have you ever been in a decision room, kind of at a conference table, maybe, you know, for your work, or your organization, and you're just thinking, you know, like, we tried this, not very successful. We made this move, that didn't work either. Like, so we arrest the apostles, we, we, we threaten them, okay, um, that's not working, this is not working, like, so now what are we going to do? Oh, let's like, let's kill them. Let's, let's, just, let's just do away with them, and we'll fix this right, at least we'll think, we think we'll fix this right now. But then a, a man rose up, and I just want to point this out because this is so good, okay? There is no doubt. Sometimes God uses what we consider supernatural means, okay? Uh, angels still exist, by the way. Just let me make that clear. Like, angels haven't gone anywhere, okay? Like, angels still exist, all right? So, so, so he uses an angel to set the, the, the apostles free from prison, okay, in the early part of the story. But now God uses what appears to be a natural means, okay, a, a natural man, uh, Gamaliel, to, to then speak up and say, hey, let, let's just calm down for a second here, okay? We've seen this before. We've seen it before where the Thutis rose up and he claimed to be somebody, you know, he claimed to be the Messiah maybe. And so, listen, he was killed and everything fizzled out. The same thing with this man Judas from, from Galilee. He, uh, Jesus from Galilee, Jesus from Galilee. Like maybe, you know, like there's the story's going to like, the Galilean story is going to be like part two or whatever. And so this is going to fizzle out too. Um, and so he just says, look, like, and then he gets theological on them, right? Like, this is something they could, again, he was entering their framework. He was part of the framework. He's, he says, um, look, like, if this is of man, Thutis, Judah, like, it will fail. But, and these words were quite prophetic, right? They were qu- quite uh, indicating what was to come. Um, he says, if this plan is of God, you will not be able to stop it. You will not be able to overthrow it. In fact, you might be found opposing not these men, but you might be found opposing God himself. And so they actually listen to Gamaliel, and they uh, ratchet up their threats by um, not only threatening them not to speak in the name of Christ, but they actually kind of add uh, some severity to that by beating them, and most scholars believe that this was a case of flogging. And, and f- to be flogged was to, to get down on your knees and expose your back and to be whipped with a leather, leather cord 39 times. This is what they did to Jesus before he was crucified. And so the, 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 the whip would hit a person's back, wrap around their chest, and hit their back again 39 times. And yet it says that the apostles were rejoicing. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus Christ. And so from this story, I just want to draw out a few encouragements for us as we look at how they represented Jesus and we consider in this holy week and way beyond this holy week, Good Friday, Easter, how we can represent Jesus right where God has placed us, okay? Right where God has placed us. When we represent Jesus, okay, number one, we can expect opposition, all right? 
when we represent Jesus, we can expect opposition. Don't, don't miss verse 17 here. It says, the high priest and all who were with him, they were filled with jealousy. All right, now let's just, let's just kind of backtrack here what we've been learning as a church, okay? Um, if you're new to Redemption Hill, uh, this is just uh, to be helpful to you, okay? We've been focused on our, our vision for this year. Like the, the most important thing that we really want to focus on together as a church is the fullness of God in us, all right, uh, that, that it would overflow through us. And so we've, we've come to understand that God wants us to be full of his Holy Spirit, full of his, his presence within us by the Spirit of God, okay? And, and when we are full of God, when we're full of anything, okay, that, that, that thing that it fills us actually controls us, all right? It, it influences us to the point of controlling what we desire and what we want and how we act. So Paul in Ephesians 5, he says, be being filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. When you're drunk with wine, you are filled with wine to the point of intoxication, and it controls your speech and your action. And, and Paul says, conversely, no, don't, be, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with God's Spirit. And so uh, here, these leaders are not filled with God. They are filled with jealousy. And, and we see, again, the parallel. Their jealousy is controlling their actions. And they're opposing the apostles. And so, listen, um, this is probably not like a revelation for you, okay? But uh, there, listen, and this, this hopefully builds some confidence for you today, okay? Th- there are many people, as we look at the roughly 6 million people in the greater Boston area, as we look at the 60,000 people in Medford and the 315,000 people that are in Medford or the contiguous cities around Medford, okay? Um, listen, there are people who actually want to hear about God. They want to hear the story of Jesus. That may not mean that they received the, the message, okay? But, but there are people who are open, they're open-minded, and they actually want to hear But on the flip side of that, there are others, okay, there are others who do not want to hear. And why should that surprise us? Can we just go in with that expectation of like, man, my neighborhood, my workplace, my friendships, okay, um, there are going to be some people who want to hear what I have to share. There are going to be others who don't want to hear. We can't force Jesus on people, okay? We can't, we don't try to manipulate anyone. We certainly don't try to be obnoxious as we're like talking about Jesus. Very natural ways we are talking about him, but some people aren't going to want to hear, but why? Because they're filled with that which is not of God, and they want to continue living life like they want to live it, right? I mean, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he he asks us to make some changes. He tells us to make some changes, changes that we know are for the good and for our best, but not everyone understands that yet, and so we should expect to be resisted. And when we are resisted, listen, uh, most of the time it's not going to manifest itself in some kind of opposition like this, okay, thankfully in our culture, no one's arresting us for talking about Jesus, okay, it's not illegal, Um, but whatever degree of opposition we face, listen, whether it's just a little bit of pullback or a little bit of pushback from the people that we care about, okay, listen, even no matter how slight 
of a degree, it is of opposition. God is with us when we are opposed. God walks with us. His presence never leaves us. And so just as we see here with the apostles that God was present in their pain, God is always present with us in our point of pain. And this applies no matter what we're talking about. I know some of you have gone through some very difficult times, even in the past few weeks. Listen, God is with you. God cares about you. He's present in our pain. And so as we, as we move out, and as we take risks, and as we love people with the love of Christ, and we receive that opposition, let's remember, okay, as my friend uh, Stephen Mook says, okay, the intensity of the opposition is because of the enormity of the gospel opportunity. Now, some of you got that, and some of you are trying to write it down. Some of you are like, what would you just say, all right? But that is like, that's a nice statement, all right? Thank you, Pastor Stephen. Okay, listen, the intensity of the opposition... It's just not popular to talk about Jesus these days, right? Like, if it were, we would all be free. Like, we just all feel great to go talk about him. But we don't. Why is that? Because people want to be their own God. They don't want to, they don't want to hear this, this message, right? Um, so the intensity of the opposition is because of the enormity of the gospel opportunity. In other words, listen, let's break this down for a minute, okay? Um, when someone comes to know Christ, like if you've come to know Christ, I hope you have. If not, like today would be just an awesome day to, to see that happen. Um, when, when we come to know Christ, it changes everything, right? Like everything. We discover that he is the treasure that we were always looking for, that we were always longing for. As C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Jesus changes everything. The way I'm a husband, the way I'm a parent, the way I work, the way I'm a friend, the way I treat people I don't know. So, so the gospel opportunity is so great, okay? Let's not just think at, an, again, a natural level, okay, is people opposing us, but guess what? We keep talking about this, and I just want to keep talking about it because we have a supernatural enemy, right? Like angels are real and demons are real. Satan is real. Satan still hates God. Satan still opposes the things of God, the mission of God, the movement of God. And so expect opposition because the opportunity is so great in front of us. But, but even as we expect opposition, we can, like the apostles, wow, we can display exceptional obedience. All right, number two, display exceptional obedience. And I want you to think about this at two levels here, okay? Number one, Exceptional obedience moves past barriers, all right? We saw these threats. We saw what's happening here. But they say, listen, we must obey God rather than man. There was no threat, no fear, no imprisonment, no cost that was too great to keep Peter and John and the apostles from talking about Jesus. Three different times we've seen them opposed, seen them threatened. Three different times they say, hey, we're marching forward. We're going to keep doing what Jesus has told us to do. And so it was the power of the Spirit at work in them to move them past their barriers. 
And listen, I just wanna I just wanna ask you very personally for a moment. What is the barrier in your life that holds you back from talking to others about Jesus? We all have different barriers, we all have different fears. But 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 let me ask you this. What barrier can stand against the reality, okay, the reality, that if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. God is in you. And so, like, why were the apostles moving forward, even, like, kill me, like, to live as Christ, to die as gain? Like, you can take me out, but you will never be able to stop me. They could say that because God was in them. The Holy Spirit was filling them with his power. That's why we keep talking about the fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. And so exceptional obedience pushes past barriers, but then uh, secondly and related uh, to that, it sets no barriers. It sets no barriers. It's like there there are barriers that, that are raised against us, okay, that we have to push past by the power of God, okay? But there are also barriers sometimes that we just set for ourselves. But as I'm reading the book of Acts, and we just say we don't want to just read it, we want to live it, right? Um, there were no barriers. What, what, is, what, is, what is the authority, what did the authority say? We, we told you to be quiet, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Wow. Man, I hope before I'm dead, all right? I'm going to plan on that being a little while, by the way. Uh, but, but I hope, like, before I'm dead, like, someone can say that about Medford. Someone can say that about Boston. Like, th- there are not people like the ones that I hang out with that tell me, man, we've never heard that before. Don't assume because someone says, like, they're religious or they've been to church or they're Catholic or they're Christian, that they've really heard the message of the gospel. We're fools if we do. We're fools if we do. But, but, but not only that, not only in verse 29 it says they filled the Jerusalem with their teaching. After they are beaten, look at verse 42. It says every day. Can you just like underline that? Can you circle that? Highlight, double underline, triple underline. Like like every day in the temple and from house to house, everywhere, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus was the Christ. Not only did they push past barriers, but their exceptional obedience led them to set no barriers. And so listen, I don't know who it is. And I don't know who God has put in your life, okay? But there are people all around you that, let's be honest, you've probably set up some barriers. Oh, they don't want to hear this. Oh, they would never believe. Oh, they're too far gone. That's a lie. That's, I mean, that, like, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Amen? Wow. Set no barriers. Display exceptional obedience. And then finally, in all of this, as we, even as we face opposition and we move past it with exceptional obedience, like here is, here is the difference maker, okay? This is what is the game changer for us. This is what can instill, instill supreme confidence as we go out this week to love people in the name of Christ, okay? We can move forward unstoppable. We move forward unstoppable. Why is that? Because we follow an unstoppable God. 
Our God is unstoppable. And if God is in us, the implication is we are unstoppable in him. You're unstoppable. And some of you don't believe that right now. And you just need to, like, God, help me believe because you are in me that I am unstoppable in Christ. I'm just asking you to pray that right now. It's not like a suggestion. It's not like rhetorical. Like, hey, like, you know, this is maybe like later I'll do that. Like, like, even right now, like, God, help me believe that you are so awesome. You are so amazing. You are so powerful. You are so unstoppable that because you were in me by the Holy Spirit through my faith in Jesus Christ that I can move forward with some confidence this week. Listen, Jesus promised to build his church. And you know what he said? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing can stop my mission from advancing in the world. And so listen, I just, maybe I'll just put it like this, and then we're going to move into a time of prayer and responding to God in song, all right? But, but, but maybe I'll just put it like this. God's mission is moving forward. God's mission is moving forward. Listen, listen, listen. With or without you. God's mission is moving forward with or without me. So, so listen, this is not only, like, this is not only uh, commanded obedience, okay? This is also our greatest joy. You read the New Testament, you read the Apostle Paul, you read the people who introduced the most people to Jesus. And you know what Paul says? Let me just, I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to pray. All right, I love this. This is so good. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, okay, you can look it up later. You can trust me right now. All right, Paul says, look, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. All right, isn't that, it's like, these are his words, and he's not exaggerating. Everything this man did was for the gospel, for making Christ known. What he drank, where he went, when he could have gotten paid or supported by others and he starts building tents, okay? Like all of his decisions were driven by the reality of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. But you know what he says? He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. All right, so let me, let me work that out for you we would think that Paul would say that they might share with me, right? Like I've experienced Christ and stuff. They, they get to share with me, but no, Paul is saying that he's doing everything. He is going out and inviting people to Good Friday service. He's going out and inviting them to Easter. He's going and meeting some people in extravaganza next Saturday afternoon. And he's, he's saying, you know, why don't you come? Have you ever thought about like what the cross is all about? Let me tell you how the, why the resurrection matters to me, why I think we can really believe in it, okay? He was doing that all so that he could share with them. Like, so when they experience the joy of Christ, Paul's joy, what? Goes up. And this is like there are so many motivators for us being obedient, exceptionally obedient to share Christ with those around us. And, and there is none greater than that. And so what I want to do this morning, just to, to wrap up, and we're going we're gonna to sing about our unstoppable God together. But before we do that, I'm going to ask Dan to, to come out and just, just play some instrumental for us. And, and one thing I like about Medford High School, all right, one thing I like is that we have this area down here in the front of the stage where we can just, you know, oh, by the way, next Sunday, this is what we're praying for right now. Okay, we're praying that, you see how we have these sections blocked off top right, 
actually just top right today. Thank you, God, for bringing a lot of people today. Um, like, we're not blocking off those sections after, you know, uh, 1025. Because we're expecting that over 400 people are going to be here next week. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to go talk to the custodians. And I'm saying, where are the extra chairs? We have room for extra chairs, and we're going to bring in more chairs as God fills this place up. But listen, God loves to work through the prayers of people. And so what I want to do is ask you to, to come down forward. If it's, if it's all like 200 of us, like we'll try to find the room, all right? If it's maybe just how, like, who, if it's a dozen, it doesn't matter. But if, if you just feel compelled to come forward, maybe get on your knees, maybe stand, maybe pray with someone else just to make this area a place of prayer, to pray for people in your life that you care about, that you would just say, hey, I I am going to emulate this obedience and I am going to move out and invite them to come and hear this story. So, so, so if you want to pray for them, you want to pray for Easter weekend, if you want to pray for Easter service, however God leads you to pray, I would love for you. Maybe it's like, I need to pray with someone. I want to ask some of our prayer team, maybe the Rayors, the Agbulas, um, any of our leaders uh, of groups can come forward. And if you just say, like, I need prayer, well, guys, why don't you come on down? Dan, if you'll start playing, uh, I want to go ahead and start this, this moment of prayer. But if you just say, look, I just want to pray with someone for someone, then you can do that. I just want us to not, I don't want us to not rush away from what we've heard in God's word today. That the unstoppable God invites us on an unstoppable mission to make Christ known. And so listen, let's let's stand together. You can pray where you are. You can come forward and pray. I'm ready to pray. If anybody wants to pray, Alex is going to kill my mic and I'm going to pray with you right now. And then, and then in just a few moments, I'll pray again, and then we'll sing. And let's sing with all of our hearts today that our God is an unstoppable God. So let's move forward. Let's pray. God, would you lead our prayer time, even now, to cry out for people. Put people on our hearts, God, that, that we love, that we work with, that we uh, are, are friends with, Lord. That we, we know that nothing is beyond you, God. So lead us now as we pray and seek your face.
by all means, continue to pray. Even after I pray, we're going to sing. You can continue to come and pray or pray as we're singing. Let's just cry out to God together. Ask him to do what only he can do in us and through us. God, thank you. Thank you that you're an amazing God. You're a God who saves. You're a God who doesn't leave us to ourselves. You're not a God who leaves us in the predicament of our sin. You're a God who saves and who gives life where there was no life. And so, God, we pray today, we come forward with names of people in our minds and on our hearts that we care about, God. We want to see them know the amazing truth of Jesus crucified and raised, that they might experience the abundant life and eternal life, God, with you forever, that we know through our faith in him. And so, God, may today be just a moment, just a a catalytic moment that, that moves us to continued prayer that moves us to uh, continue to uh, consider who it is that you want us to move toward and share with and invite to hear this good news of who Christ is and what he's done. And so God, I pray for nothing less. I pray for nothing less than every person who says, I belong to Jesus. God, I pray that every single person in this place and those who are a part of the family known as Redemption Show that couldn't be here this morning, God, move every single one of us to be about your work, your business this week. Instill us with the confidence that you are powerful and that you use ordinary people like us to accomplish your great work. God, move us out for your name, we pray through Christ.